to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. Obviously, the big story in the region this week has been the weather, and if the snow wasn't bad enough, we're now in a deep freeze for the next several days, with a wind chill watch in effect until Tuesday at noon. Stay tuned to 1470 and 100.3 WMBD for more up-to-date weather details throughout the weekend or go to WMBDRadio.com or our Facebook page at 1470 WMBD. This week here, we'll focus on some things you may have missed while dealing with the weather. First of those is a discussion in the Peoria City Council about racism. Question being, is there racism on the Peoria City Council? That question came thanks to an agenda item the council was asked to approve regarding some changes on the city and county's Racial Justice and Equity Commission. In this discussion, you'll hear Council Members John Kelly and Andre Allen and Peoria Mayor Rita Ali. I have a couple questions uh, on the proposed changes. Um, uh, first of all, on page number one of the uh, proposed changes document, uh, vision um, says the vision of the Joint Committee on Racial Justice and Equity is to end racism in city and county government. That was in the original charter. I understand. Is there racism in this in our city government? And if so, how do we measure that? Frankly, I don't know that there is. But uh, <clears throat> is it truly the uh, feeling of this commission that there is racism in our city government? There was a, a full report. Um, actually, there was a lot of work that was done prior to the commission coming into existence um, that showed barriers to um, workforce barriers, systemic, historical barriers to sometimes employment, to entry into uh, certain opportunities. Um, there's been evidence of historical, institutional racism, not just within the city government, but throughout institutions, whether they're educational, government, throughout the city and the nation, council member. And, and you know, the intent of the commission, which was approved unanimously by both the city and the county, over two years ago was to try to remove all elements uh, of racism, institutional racism that may be built into the fabric of policies, practices, procedures. You know, that's, that's really the intent of the uh, commission is to help to remove those, those elements. Uh, I think I understand that, Madam Mayor. First of all, this is not <clears throat> looking back. This is a present tense. And it says, we have racism in our city government. 
If there is, let's hear about it. I, I, I don't believe that there is. If there was in the past, I don't doubt that there was in the past. Well, you heard but, disparities based upon race just not too long ago. I'm not talking about ago. disparities. I'm, I'm not talking. I'm, say, I'm saying, do we have racism in our city government? This says that we do. My answer to that is yes. Okay, I would appreciate um, uh, some evidence thereof, and we can address that rather quickly, I think. Uh, my second, on <clears throat> uh, the same item, the vision item, we want to achieve racial equity. Perhaps I'm ignorant, but I don't really know what that is. Is that, you know, I, I don't know how we're doing, and I don't know how we measure that. And <clears throat> it kind of goes along with my, fir my first objection. Um, it sounds nice, but what is it? exactly and how do we measure it just to say it's there i we we there was a tool that was introduced a while ago to actually have some measurement of progress toward equity but as i recall you didn't want to use that tool within city government i i did not i didn't i disagreed with uh, the uh, disparity approach to it. In other words, we have, um, you know, a certain percentage of this particular ethnic group in our city. Um, do we have that same percentage everywhere in City Hall or everywhere in the city? And of course, we don't. I don't know that that proves anything. Um, I think we're looking, what we're looking at here is racial discrimination. Um, I don't think there's racial discrimination in the NBA, even though what, that many white What did you just say? What did you just say? I don't think there is racial, much racial discrimination in the NBA, even though there aren't very many white players. You get to play in the NBA by merit, not by how many people does it represent in the United States of America. So anyway, these are, are my objections. <clears throat> and also I have one more question, and this is on page four. Um, under, and it's uh, an addition on item number four, item A on number four. Um, what is a racially diverse person? And that's also in paragraph C and CI. 
Well, Councilman, I think what the the intent of that change was was to talk about the fact that we wanted to have diverse chairs, meaning not from the same race, uh, chairs, uh, co-chairs of the steering committee that would be, or of the committee itself. I think I get the idea, except I have a problem with the language. There's no such thing as a diverse person, okay? Um, <clears throat> I don't mind having different people of different races heading these things up, but a diverse person does not exist, I don't believe. Again, the point was to have racially diverse co-chairs of each of the steering committee as well as each of the subcommittees so that it's not a homogeneous leadership. I understand. And it could it could read racially diverse co-chairs or racially diverse leadership. I understand. It, I, I think the uh, we should make that. Uh, I think it's clear what the intent is, but that's not what the language says. That's my problem there. Um, <clears throat> so um, those are my objections, Madam Mayor. Okay. And um, even though I have objections, I'll move to approve as long as they're noted. Council Member Allen. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. Since this item was pulled, I'll go ahead and just provide um, some comments. I do want to applaud uh, our steering committee and our, and our co-chair specifically, uh, Tim and Mary, for the work they've been doing in this space the last two years, uh, really uh, mobilizing, galvanizing the troops uh, in the commitment to this work. As we are seeing um, nationally, there is a trend to pull back from these type of efforts right now and to see that we have a joint commission here that is um, based off the city and county government. I think that demonstrates what type of community we have here uh, within our city and our county, and I'm very proud to be a part of it. Um, I'm excited for the future of this work. I want to commend uh, our uh, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Chief Green, who I believe I saw walk in the chambers as well, too, for her work in this space. And so, again, I know that um, the last couple um, months has been tough to have some quorums for some of the subcommittees, and that will change as well, too. Um, the committees now will be able to uh, meet virtually um, based off of some of the language that's been changed uh, in, the, in this charter. So I think that will also help engagement and also some results that we'll see in the future. Again, Council Members John Kelly and Andre Allen, along with Peoria Mayor Rita Ali and also Patrick Urich, the city's city manager. More Week in Review coming up. At the beginning of the week, a closed-door meeting was held involving the Secret Service, local law enforcement, the city of Peoria, and Peoria Public Schools. The topic? School violence and school shootings. Those attending were to see research involving the topic and specifically why such acts are committed. Project Safe Neighborhoods, an initiative by the Federal Justice Department and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, compiled the data. A local coordinator of the program, Doug Quivy, talked about the discussion with WMBD's T.J. Carson. This disclaimer, the discussion was recorded prior to the meeting being held. National Threat Assessment Center, which is part of Homeland Security and the United States Secret Service is going to do a presentation to law enforcement, school officials, um, community leaders about school safety and the threat assessment model as the National Threat Assessment Center is kind of the leading researcher and clearinghouse 
when unfortunately we have a school shooting anywhere in the country, they study them and then, you know, glean, glean lessons learned and, and what school districts can do and law enforcement can do to um, better try to prevent, prevent them and also respond. And this is and a top- school violence more generally. And this is a topic that has been in the news the past couple of days. Yes, unfortunately. How do you go about this presentation? What do you tell people? What do you uh, give them for tips and advice on how to prepare for these uh, school shooter situations? Well, again, there, w- there will be two members from the National Threat Assessment Center, um, Jeff Murray and Jeff McGarry who are research specialists um, with the Secret Service, and they'll give a presentation on, you know, lessons learned from previous school shootings and school violence in general, and then also on the threat assessment model, which is is a way to get an interdisciplinary group of people focused on, you know, recognizing and trying to prevent school violence. I kind of want to ask you about those real quick. The lessons learned. What are some of those lessons learned that uh, a district would need to know about? Well, I would I would really defer to them because there's a lot of them. Um, they, I would note that they have a number of publications um, that are available on their website. Um, one is Enhancing School Safety Using a Threat Assessment Model. Um, and then they have another, a number of other publications. So, I mean, the short answer is there's a number of lessons learned, um, uh, you know, going back for a long period of time. So I, I would defer to them on the specifics. And then those that may not be aware of what the threat assessment model is, could you explain uh, what that is and how that would apply? It's, Basically, an overview of it is it's a way to bring together different members of a school from the principal to teachers, guidance counselor, can even include parents, law enforcement, and it's a way of establishing protocols to do assessments to try to get, you know, students or even school employees that are are struggling with the, the mental health resources they need to try to identify and prevent violence at school. What are some of those signs that uh, districts should identify when uh, looking at these threats? Well, again, I would, I would defer to them as far as, you know, the, the details of it. Um, but it, it's basically troubling type of, of behavior, and you want to um, implement systems that encourages reporting. And it's done in a way, it's not to get anybody in trouble, but it's to, you know, report warning signs that students are struggling, students or staff members are struggling, and it's a way to, to get them to the help they need, but obviously changes in students' behavior, you know, anything from, you know, withdrawing from peers to, 
you know, lower grades, you know, because obviously, you know, things are happening at home, things are happening at school, but it's it's a, a holistic way to identify, um, to try to identify kids and get them the help they need. So hopefully we don't have the problems that we've seen. Bringing up uh, what happened in Iowa this week uh, on Wednesday or it's Thursday, excuse me. Um, how would this apply to uh, what the discussions will be on Monday? How how does uh, that relate to everything? Well, it obviously is too new and hasn't been studied yet by the the National Threat Assessment Center, and they have a they have protocols of when when incidents happen. After the fact, they go and then study them in detail to include interviews, et cetera, et cetera. So there won't be anything directly about that situation. Um, but obviously, other situations in other schools around the country that have happened that they have studied will be topics of discussion. Um, but it's obviously way too soon after what unfortunately happened in Iowa to draw any definitive conclusions. Looking at who's been invited to this presentation, it's not just law enforcement and school officials. I've seen city officials also involved in this. How important is it to get as many people in the community involved in a discussion like this? It, it's very important because it, it takes the whole community as a holistic approach to bring the resources needed to really make the threat assessment model work and to get, you know, community health resources, et cetera, um, involved to work this, this problem. Because it, it's not just issues that happen at school per se, that might be where they result, but there are issues at home, elsewhere in the community. So it's very important to have all the stakeholders in the community aware of the threat assessment model and everybody working together. What do you hope everyone in attendance takes away from it? What do you hope their big takeaway is from uh, seeing the presentation and the entire day? That basically they get some tools and some resources that assist them to refine and make better the, the plans that they have and or to develop new ones based on the the lessons learned from the National Threat Assessment Center, because it, it's always a process um, to make existing plans better and to create ones that are needed. And, you know, it, it basically to assist in their preparation of the threat assessment protocol. It's my understanding that the Illinois school code was amended a few years back and in, in threat assessment models or plans are mandatory, but this is a way of assisting school officials who are, are struggling with a very difficult problem to give them more resources to address the issue. Doug Quivy of Project Safe Neighborhoods with WMBD's TJ Carson. More Week in Review coming up. 
The Peoria City Council is doing something it says will help local restaurants and sidewalk cafes in the downtown area at first. The City Council this week approved a pilot program that would install temporary fencing on city-owned sidewalks and right-of-ways to create sidewalk cafes for restaurants. The program starts in the spring and four businesses are initially taking part. Ardor Breads and Provisions, Ulrich's Rebellion Room, the Neon Bison, and Kickback on Fulton. The Peoria City Council talked about it at length with Assistant City Manager Kimberly Richardson and Mayor Rita Ali. I want to present uh, our request for a pilot to look at outdoor dining in the downtown central business district and riverfront area in the amount to not to exceed $175,000 using ARPA funds. Um, in 2022, when I arrived, uh, I was informed that economic development was looking to place petlets in the, um, excuse me, parklets, <laughs> all these pads and parks, parklets into the right of way to extend outdoor dining for businesses in the downtown district area. And so if you know what a parklet is we in 2018 up Main Street we in front of the ice cream shop there was a parklet that was uh, the invasion team at the time had used as a um, a pilot model for potential expansion of parklets along um, Main Street and in other areas of the city so we had a history of of utilizing parklets but we wanted to use it in the downtown that was the direction so in doing that, uh, what we decided to do in economic development, we looked to our community partner, Urban Kind Consulting, to have them come in and really evaluate if we're going to put parklets in the downtown, where would it make the most sense since we didn't have the capacity in-house to really do that type of evaluation. So over the course of a few months, uh, Urban Kind met with community development. Um, we spoke to... we spoke to them um, in economic development, um, spoke to, looked at our current policies and ordinances, and then did an evaluation of what we can do moving forward and what type of vendor we can potentially be moving forward with. Um, initially, we were just going to go ahead and get the container uh, parklets that you see in our neighboring community in Peoria Heights. It's very successful. Everyone knows how that the structure looks like. It is a one, once you construct it, it's a one unit piece, so you can't deconstruct it. So there is questions about, well, if we do move with that type of material, where will we store it in public works? So, you know, that was the first question, where will we store multiple units? So we brought that challenge to Urban Kind as well. And so in doing so, they came back and they presented us with a few of um, vendors in adherence to our um, purchasing policy. We did review a number of vendors and then we came that Moss Street was the most viable vendor that fit the criteria that we wanted to move forward with. But in selecting Moss Street, we realized that they offered more than just a container. They actually offered units. And what the units are, it allows for flexibility that you can construct and assemble and deassemble, de as well as something that we didn't even think about, which 
totally took the project to a different direction. They offer a system called a pedlet, which is a pedestrian walkway. Why is that important? Because as we're going to explain in a couple of our locations, not for having a pedlet option, we would not be able to put place a outdoor um, fencing at their location because of ADA accessibility requirements and right of way. You have to make sure people have access to the sidewalk and that they have the ability to walk freely. And if you have a, a piece of any type of um, infrastructure in the sidewalk that is permanent or temporary that does not allow for accessibility, you have to make accessibility a, a way possible. In certain places, we removed um, trees to make that possible, but we did not want to move, remove any type of infrastructure that was currently in place. So the pilot actually allowed for us to expand the program and look beyond just what we currently have. So in doing that, we were able to then think about if we're going to have a parklet in the central business downtown area, where would it make sense? Long story short, a pedlet in the current construction of our downtown streets is not probably the most ideal um, viable option because even though our streets stay that are, uh, that the miles per hour to drive vehicles is 30 miles per hour, in practice, we do not see people adhering consistently to that 30 miles per hour um, requirement. And so until we have the reconstruction of our streets where we will have bump outs and other ways of calming traffic down to slow down the traffic so that they're not going at a higher speed of rate, having a stationary um, object in the street may not be the most ideal at this present time but we did not want to scrap the program. So what instead we decided to do is say, well, let's look at it from a different angle. If we do have them on the sidewalks, keep them as sidewalk cafes as we call them, could we look at how can we make a uniform, more elevated look of a, of a program so that in the future we can figure out maybe a cost sharing with businesses or give them some type of uh, blueprint on how they can construct one that would allow for more durability. So that is what we're here for today presenting to you. We've identified four businesses who are in the city's right of way. So that means the city owns the sidewalks. So we have the permission to use those sidewalks. The businesses have been established for over a year, uh, over a year and a half. So they are established restaurant or bar and they meet the criteria for having a cafe that will allow for accessibility uh, for public right away. Uh, one thing that I would say about this project that we really took our time to think about the materials being used. So we talked about vandalism. We talk about ease of use of clean. Um, this, because they are in those cities right away, we are going to disassemble them in, those, in the wintertime to allow for the sidewalks to be open again. We have a place to store because of the fact that they're now compact and they're easy for us to lift and move out the way. We no longer have to worry about finding additional storage to place these items over the winter months. And it's something that our public works department is very excited about. Um, and working with us, um, Mr. Sai Maroon was very excited. 
something that he's always won and championed for us to do, but we just couldn't find the right product. This is the right product for the city. And I think it will elevate our downtown and support our small businesses in conjunction to that. So if there's any further questions, I'm here to answer those questions. I was trying to give a brief overview, but I, I don't want to be too long-winded. So I'm here to answer any questions. Thank you, Manager Richardson. Um, is the project restricted to just those four businesses initially? Correct. It is. Okay. And we did invite other businesses, and, and these were the four that responded, saying that they would be interested to work with us. Okay. So we're keeping track of those that may want to come on board at a, a later time? Yeah. We, we in the downtown, so we kept it very much in the downtown. We actually went around and looked at every business that would have an accessible um, have access and to in I would say eighty percent of those businesses we are capturing. Okay, Councilmember Graham, yeah, Manager Richardson, you've done a great job on this and uh, in conversation with the big four that have been approved so far. They're excited, looking forward to it. I had the chance to visit with uh, the engineers um, out at the. Uh, Director of Power's shop on Dries Lane a few days ago. And uh, I understand we're going to begin that uh, very important, uh, talked about since 95, we're actually doing it, the conversion of Adams and Jefferson. We're going to start in a few weeks, actually. And we're hoping that the conversion of Adams and Jefferson from Walnut to Hamilton will be completed by July of 26. Are we thinking in terms of sequencing that as we get parts of this done, we might be able to begin, even though the entire uh, redirection of Adams and Jefferson project might not be totally complete because of the length of it? Yes, sir. And, and I would also, what's so nice about this product is that as we continue to build the infrastructure, they're interchangeable pieces. So we can move and place these anywhere we would like to see. Um, so I, when we finish with the two um, lane conversion, the hope is going back to those businesses and re-engaging them now that the project is completed to see if they would like to be a participant in the program. We did allocate funds in 2024 using ARPA dollars for this to expand up Maine. The Petlet is a game changer. And I think if we expand up Maine, we will have the petlets part of that project to allow for expansion of this program. You know, when we, uh, I think the first one manager was um, outside Las Delicias. And, you know, that was one of the negatives that we saw that it was made out of wood. And I think now we have the ability to collapse these and store them more readily. Probably not going to use them in the winter. No, that is a condition of the project program that the businesses understand that it's a seasonal use. Good. I, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I know the merchants downtown are, but you know, Mayor, I think there might be some more businesses and might want to join. I think so. Okay. Okay. Well, I look forward not to make this a pilot. We're going to come back to council with an evaluation this year out. So if there's any further questions or interests, um, we will look forward to answering those questions in economic development. More of the Peoria City Council's discussion about fencing and sidewalk cafes with more Week in Review coming up. 
You've been listening to an extended Peoria City Council discussion on a pilot program expanding outdoor dining downtown in part with the use of city-provided fencing at a couple of downtown eateries. So far, city council members have been on board. We'll hear if that continues with Assistant City Manager Kimberly Richardson, Mayor Rita Ali, and now Council Member Bernice Gordon-Young. Manager Richardson, I just wanted to commend you and the staff with uh, this wonderful work. I am a fan of outdoor dining and i think that it um it definitely gained popularity during COVID, uh at the height of COVID, you know to keep mm-hmm. businesses going but i especially like that it gives opportunities for our businesses to draw in more um support but i also wondered and i, I and you touched on it you know how far we're talking about expanding i was thinking about main street so i know uh my colleague Gray up would like to hear see that, and because it's just perfect, a perfect area to see and and to make that connection from downtown all the way up the hill. Uh, I guess my question for you is for the listening audience because I think there's going to be a huge waiting list for something like this. At least it sounds like it. It looks beautiful. How would uh, business owners, you know, apply or get on that waiting list or keep an eye out for additional information regarding this? We are going to continue our partnership with Urban Kind. And they're going to help us evaluate how we move this next to the next step. So that has already been something that we've been ideating about is how do we expand if the pilot is successful. Uh, we call it a pilot because we are testing this out to see if the types of materials and the layout really makes sense. But the, the fact that we can have some uniformity with some of our our product, especially with outdoor dining, would be very beneficial. So Main Street is definitely on our radar and we are looking at all the areas where we have our major corridors of, of outdoor, with, um, outside dining that's already established. Could we expand other businesses to, you know, participate with that? And then just one more comment. I also really appreciate the fact that it's interchangeable. And so that means if the business moves, then maybe it can go with them or whatever. But it, at least it's not permanent fixture. No. You know, it's flexibility it, there. We own the, the infrastructure. And maybe that's a conversation we can have later if there's a way for a business to purchase it. But for now, under the pilot, we do own that. So if that business does go out and there's not a restaurant there to replace it, we can move that infrastructure to another location. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Madam Mayor. You're welcome. Council Member Allen. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I want to echo the sentiments of my colleague. Um, This is innovative. It's uh, timely as we talk about just how do we continue to keep uh, growing and developing our downtown, which is one of the greatest assets that we have in our community. Uh, I love the idea and seeing that you're collaborating with a, a local uh, consultant firm in Urban Kind. I, I, I know some of their team and, and that's great as well too. Um, and I do believe that this is gonna open up the possibilities of what other businesses can do. You know, once you see that Neon Bison has outdoor dining now, and now across the street, you say, maybe, maybe I can think about this, you know, whether it's that strip where the judges chambers is or just other businesses. You know, I think sometimes um, we're afraid to try or afraid to, to see the possibilities. And so I commend your staff for having the vision to try something different. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited as someone who works downtown now. I look forward to, to visiting one of these outdoor dining spaces in the near future. Thank you, Madam Mayor. You're welcome. Councilmember Jackson. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Well, I would just like to echo the sentiments. This looks like a great idea. I'm, I'm really excited about uh, 
possibilities in and around areas like Fulton Street, um, which, you know, is a, can be a very in- inviting place uh, for lunch, for music, entertainment. Uh, I just had one question, um, and I, in the, in the literature, I don't know if I overlooked it. Do we know much about hours uh, with this primarily uh, operate during lunch, evening, dinner? Do we know? The, the business would continue to operate as they normally do. And if they have a liquor license, they would still have to adhere to their liquor license requirements. So we will continue to support those businesses. And hopefully they are able to expand because now we're adding capacity by allowing them to be having, having outdoor dining where some of these businesses, I'm going to be honest with you, one business owner was just over the moon because they knew this is something they wanted to do but did not have the capital to to invest in it because they are trying to keep their business afloat just with the changing economy. And so this really has allowed some of those businesses to really think beyond just the, the now. So hopefully that will allow some businesses to expand. Uh, the Neon Bison, as you all know, are, is moving to the 600 block of Maine. So this is where that infrastructure will be. And they're going to be, right now, they're currently a bar only. They're expanding into a restaurant. So this is going to help elevate their um, additional uh, services that they are providing. Thank you very much. Thank you, Madam Mayor. You're welcome. <clears throat> Council Member Kelly. Thank you, Madam Mayor. <clears throat> uh, Assistant City Manager, my, my hat and my hair, but my hat is off to you. I think uh, this, this sounds like a wonderful idea. Uh, it could be a real catalyst for really changing the ambiance of our downtown and really making it <clears throat> more uh, uh, more attractive uh, to more people. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I just want to compliment you on the work. The, the drawings and the, uh, and the photos from other cities are very attractive. Uh, looks like very good work. Thank you. I would also like to acknowledge Urban Kind is here tonight. Uh, we have Chantel and Talia back here, and I have to give it to these, their team. They really were the engine behind this. If not for their support, you know, we would probably still be talking about it. So to be in front of you tonight really is a testament to the team and their efforts and commitment to their community. So thank you to them as well. Great job. Great job, Manager Richardson. Great job, ladies. Uh, Looks like we like it. You can read more about the city's outdoor dining initiative by going to WMBDradio.com. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us again next week on this Midwest Communications station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD Radio News.